Welcome to episode number 40 of the Boom X Show Lives of Money podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Tuttle. Today, we will be speaking with an attorney, Anne-Marie Merzen, uh, and she is with a law firm outside of Washington, D.C. She is a fellow member of Wealth Council, an organization I'm a member of. Anne-Marie, I've talked to only just one time. What's interesting about her is that she graduated from law school on the East Coast at the same year I graduated from law school on the West Coast. She chose the big firm route. I chose the sole practitioner route, but yet we've come together through common interests and common practice areas that is asset protection, business planning, personal planning. And uh, we have no particular agenda for today's podcast. What I want to do is talk a little bit about the Supreme Court's decision in which Roe versus Wade was overturned, not from a social or political viewpoint, but from an attorney's viewpoint. That case is caused, called, excuse me, Dobbs versus Mississippi Department of Health and others. And I want to ask her a very specific question about the legal principle of stare decisis. And then it'll be open conversation about practice and in particular business planning as a way to reduce estate taxation, to transfer wealth and reduce tension, stress and anxiety when a business owner dies. Many families own small businesses. Most businesses are small businesses. And a limited liability company and an S corporation are all means of protecting assets in a way that is in some cases more powerful than what we can do with trust. That Those will be the topics for today's podcast. And I am just going to wait until I hear that wonderful little ding ding from Zoom, meaning that she has arrived and we'll take it from there. Welcome, BoomXers. Let's throw out the old playbook. It's time to tear down the traditional way of looking at your life and money. And leverage the laws of money to our advantage. That's right. There are laws of money. And those who learn and leverage the laws of money win. And sometimes win big. Stay tuned as asset protection attorney Daryl Tuttle, educator and leader of the BoomX Nation, shows us how. Beginners, investors, entrepreneurs, fellow attorneys, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's arm this bomb. Now, here's the BoomX Show. The Laws of Money. I'm good. Yeah. How are you? Good. Interesting artwork there. Oh, yeah. So I painted the entire studio in chalk. Oh. And so I do all my noodling on the wall behind me. And <clears throat> that's a painting of Queen Elizabeth I'm working on. Oh. Elizabeth one. What, and what's the inspiration for that? No idea. <laughs> oh, come on. I don't know. Actually, I do know. I love history. And I was watching the movies on Elizabeth starring Kate Blanchett, who I have a little crush on. <laughs> <you know? laughs> who and, doesn't, uh, right? Well, who doesn't, right? I didn't like her in the Indiana Jones movie where she played the Russian villain. Hmm. But and I also <laughs> didn't like her in the Thor Ragnar whatever movie. <laughs> She's Ragnarok. a villain there, too. Yeah. And Elizabeth, though, she's kind of a villain, but I just really enjoy the movie, but also 
the historical significance of the first truly impactful queen, like a, mm. a, a true matriarch. And mm. she thumbed her nose at convention. And I like that. Well, that gives me a little bit of insight into you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, prominent there. I'm working color. on, I, I'm painting it and I don't know how to paint. So you know, like, like I work a little bit in between client meetings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But isn't that kind of like, though, the law? There's some issues that come up and different. We have to figure out a solution. We have to keep plugging ahead and do it a little bit of time and look at it again and tweak it. And it's kind of similar. So I don't think it's that far off. We have to be creative the way we write things or the way we perceive things. It can't just be our preconceived notions, right? Well, yeah. And it's a war of attrition. Because I was thinking about it. Last time I spoke to you, we had a lot of similarities. Like we, we both graduate from law school at the same time. And we both went the same practice there. You went down the big firm route. (laughs) Yeah, I do regret that a little bit, but yeah. yeah. I actually think less of you because of that. (laughs) (laughs) Except for I did learn a lot about business development and I did have the opportunity to practice in London for four or five months. Oh, okay. So now you just redeemed yourself. So that that was pretty eye-opening and interesting. Did you go to Old Bailey? No. You didn't go to O'Bailey? I don't remember. It was such a long time. I don't think so. Maybe. I well, don't know. So, so that's what they, you know how the Brits, they name stuff weird and they just keep the name. Yeah, so so it's the oldest running criminal court, I think, in the world. Oh, no, I wouldn't remember old, that. No. They call it Old Bailey because that's what they called it in 1500. Yeah. And it's. I should have. <laughs> yeah. So back then, in fact, that. Okay, Elizabeth was one of the daughters of Henry VIII. And talk about not having a survivor plan for your wife, Henry VIII. I mean, like, <laughs> he's like okay, execute a poster her. child. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's ironic that his daughter, I think she reigned for 40 years, something insane. Like, he's probably like turning in his grave. It's like, damn. <laughs> I'm going to get back to Old Bailey, but you you want to hear something cool about Henry VIII and estate planning? Yes. Let me hear this connection. Only I probably, me and one other nerdy person is going to appreciate this, but I'm all ears. Okay. William the Conqueror invented probate. He was actually a brilliant guy. He came across the English Channel and took over France and gave all the estates to his French buddies, like, you know, people that helped him. But he's the first person that unbundled property rights. And so the, it was re, the right of reversion or a sheetment. You probably, your statute probably has that word, a sheetment. I think it probably does, yes. Yeah. So that's an archaic French word. Mm-hmm. He brought it, think about the law holding onto a bad idea, like a sheetment. They use the same word, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so as an estate could pass from the estate owner to only a qualified male heir. To begin with. And so fast forward, the problem that he had was, okay, if someone dies with no heir, how do I know they died? <laughs> I don't have Google. So he created the first parcel system hmm. and he mapped out every square inch of England. And then he goes, okay, now I know where the estates are. How do I know if somebody died? He goes, I don't know, but I know somebody that does the local parish. Right. And so that's why he invented ecclesiastical courts. But it's a brilliant idea. Like the guy goes, oh, we'll just create. And they had, get this, Amory. 
they had a jury trial every time an estate owner died. And 300 years later, the plague broke out. And so now all the male heirs and the estate owners are dying. Mm -hmm. And so now they're doing probates and all that land's reverting back, is sheeting to the crown. And so the very first trust was invented. Oh. Yeah. And it's basically in the uh, probate avoidance trust. And so right. you never had that triggering event. And so a sheetment was avoided, as was the state tax. It got so bad that Henry VIII, Elizabeth's dad, passed a law called abolishment of the use. That's what they called it, use, U-S-E, use. It's just a trust. They use okay. it. And uh, so that's like a, we don't really have a lot going on in the state planning law as compared to criminal law. That's true. Can I throw out my own fun fact here? I'm going to tell Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, I didn't even know we were going to go this route, by the way. But, you know, since we are, there is this woman, I don't know if you've heard of her or not. There, she's considered the first woman attorney in the United States, but she was originally from England. I don't, I think England, I'm not sure, but she was originally from there and she wanted to move to the United States and was Catholic. Maybe she was from Ireland. I can't remember. But anyway, she was Catholic and she convinced Lord Baltimore, fast forward, you know, the governor of Maryland in Baltimore to give her a land. And right, and because she was actually a unmarried woman, so unmarried women could own property, um, oh. but married women couldn't own property. So she actually came to Maryland, and she had her own property. Ended up being a female business owner back in the day when most people were married, and she used to go to court. And every time someone didn't pay her, blah blah blah, she actually litigated her own cases because she wanted to get credit for her business, and ended up being super successful. And then she was named in. The one of the politicians' estates as his executor um, because he trusted her so much. She ended up getting a position, like a secretary position with her and really was a trusted advisor. But that sort of went south a little bit because there are all these conflicts with the state. She ended up moving to Virginia and fast forward, she had a whole parcel right near Mount Vernon where uh, George Washington was. Right. And she named her estate with her sister who was also unmarried. She named her estate where she died, Peace. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's inspiring. And it's a gap in my historical database. Yeah, so I, I've never... Margaret Brent. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple books written about her, but really kind of an unknown woman. I think the American Bar Association has some type of award to a similar woman, you know, every year or something like that. But what, yeah, Why do you know so much about her? Well, because yesterday I happened to be out, you know, out and about doing what I do, talking to people, et cetera, et cetera. And I happened to drive by this park and I wanted to take some calls and do some emails. So I sat in this park and I was looking around and there's this whole plaque all about Margaret Brent. Oh, cool. <laughs> so I saw it in real life. Yeah, yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. I stop at every historical marker. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm notorious for making a three-hour road trip, an eight-hour road trip. Yeah, it was interesting <laughs> to me. I wouldn't have ever known and gone down that rabbit trail, and it was interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ambush you here. Uh-oh. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Try to divorce yourself from any personal beliefs. Pretend that you're in a, you've gone to, you're from Mars, but you've read all American law books. That's it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> So you got to take the emotion Did something out. something just, just pop up on your screen that made you think of this or what? No, no. I've been noodling on it for a while and I've been too reluctant to talk about it, but there's something that's really bothering me. So. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. You're deflecting, by the way. Okay, here uh, we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Here it is. Okay. The critical question is whether the Constitution, properly understood, confers a right to obtain an abortion. Mm. Casey's controlling opinion skipped over that question and reaffirmed Roe solely on the basis of stare decisis. A proper application of stare decisis, however, requires an assessment of the strength of the grounds on which Roe was based. Mm -hmm. Now, that's as far as I got. I got that far. And that's the opening paragraph of. You mean out of the 85 pages, that's all you got? I got that far because this is how far I got. I thought, okay, this is exactly when I respect Sarah Decisis. And when I look at, I'll just be candid and don't beat me up about this, but. Oh, wait, you should probably go back and explain Sarah Decisis before we go. Yeah, let you, why don't you explain it? Because you'll do a better job. Oh, you're so nice. Basically, the concept is when we have a rule of law established, whether, you know, through case law, generally, we need to honor it. Um, and, but we do have to look at the context and we do have to look at history. So some people disagree with that. They think that you should just look exactly at what the case said before and affirm it based if the facts meet the law. But you actually do have to look at history and context. For instance, if we, we have Brown versus Board of Education, you know, that made school segregation unconstitutional. So that was a good use of stare decisis, even though it did change the law. It doesn't mean that the law can never be changed. It means you have to honor the rule of the law and generally based upon the Constitution and generally interpretation of statutes. Can I <clears throat> push back a little bit? Of course. I had to Google this, so it's not like this. Oh, my God. You Googled while I'm just talking? That's not. No, 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 no. Like months ago. Because I've I've been thinking about it for probably over two years. Mm -hmm. And the explanation I like the best is. Something more uh, simple. (laughs) Well, it's not meant to be like only for constitutional questions. It's just. Mm -hmm the basic premise of American jurisprudence. And it's applying a ruling from the past to like fact patterns presently before the court. Because what the court yeah, doesn't... But I, but I, right, ahead. but it's not like you can't just put the lens on there. You actually do have to look at what is happening now and what happened then, you know, the context. I, I just still think that that's important. So yes, and I think overall people, even Justice Ginsburg said this, the original decision, my my beef, I guess, with the original decision was it did sound a little bit more like legislative, the decision itself versus a legal decision, you know, a rule of law, just the way they wrote the decision. I think that they could have handled it back then, Roe versus Wade, a little bit better. The decision could have been written a little cleaner than it was. So in that respect, that's my only, I don't know. If you look at the two decisions, I don't think either one was perfect. Like if I wrote it, I would have done them both differently. But I do think that it, Roe versus Wade was not not as solid as it could have been. What was the count on Roe? I don't even know. I don't know. You want to look it up? Sounds like you're, you're you could be like, concurring but writing separately yeah that would be <laughs> like, yeah but that means is justices can't agree. <laughs> they can't agree on anything and so there's like the main opinion and then all the guys who agree with the ruling disagree with everything the main guy said <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> i would have my own opinion yeah exactly. 
Well, to me, stereotype stands for the proposition, okay, you didn't like it, but you don't get to change it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but one thing that's bothered me about abortion issue is, like, we need this to be settled. Like, uh, I don't really care personally. I don't really have a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm 58 years old and my daughter's gay, so it's probably not going to affect me directly. And I just want to put that out there because... What's bizarre about it from a social perspective, uh, there are people who have no dog in that fight. And man, they just get so worked up about it. And it's tearing this country apart because we're not going to get peace because the Supreme Court is basically, from my view, saying the question is whether the Constitution, this is the exact words, comma, properly understood, which is basically saying our court got it wrong because they didn't properly understand our view today of the constitution and that's, that's, too that, that's just going to create but, social chaos really yeah what the, you think? I there's mean, just no way that they could have ever envisioned where we are now and so all that harken back to history you know pages and pages of that i just don't find that helpful <laughs> see that's that, to me it's kind of rough because I wish, you know what I should have done is kind of bleeped out the word on Casey and Roe. Oh, right. Yeah, because then you would have not known what I was talking about. And you would have said, oh, yeah, that it is weird. Because what the court said was a proper, here we go again. Okay, so properly, that sounds like a moral judgment to me. Mm -hmm. And then in the next paragraph, they use the same word, a proper application of stereodecisis comma however comma this is the part i like casey skipped over that question and reaffirmed Mm. solely on the basis of stereodecisis seems to be saying the court is like oh you were just following stereodecisis like this court seems to be saying that court's wrong because they followed stereodecisis and i'm like oh my god these guys literally do not know what stereodecisis is like that they don't seem to accept it as a principle of jurisprudence because then they say a proper application which means look they got it wrong screw stereodecisis we're now going to reopen the the question and that is going to wreak havoc with the legal system i have to say it's going to depend i can't fully agree with what you're saying that it's going to wreak havoc because there are some decisions where people did get it wrong and things changed. Uh, what they're going yeah. to do, but the story decisis in general, I don't think it's going to wreak havoc on from the district courts, federal district courts, all the way up. I don't think they're going to do this all the time. The principle still holds, but yes, I think the decision itself puts everything more in an uproar than it was yeah. before. And it's really sad because you're right to the extent that the courts are able to let us know what the boundaries are of the law. We can feel comfortable to know what to expect, right? The law provides civility. We don't have civility now because of this decision. And honestly, I think it put more salt in the wound the way they actually wrote this decision, just like that court that they said was wrong, put salt in the wound back then. It just, it just really was not appropriate. And you can't say that the framers of the Constitution knew everything was going to happen today. They had no idea. Here we are at cryptocurrency. They certainly didn't imagine that. I did want to talk about business planning. I gave it too little airtime and I do business planning, but it's always in the context of trying to reduce 
the gross estate if there's a family business with mm-hmm. a flip or something like that. I also help young business people start an LLC. And my big message is don't so forget you that. said business people and, and not businessmen. That was nice. <laughs> oh, that's just what I see. A lot of the entrepreneurs I know are female. So, yeah. but my big thing is, okay, make sure you make your S corp election. I think the IRS has actually changed that rule a little bit that check the box. Like, have you filled out that form lately? No, I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. They have to be very careful. On what yeah. Mm-hmm. So the rule, like you explain the rule because self like young entrepreneurs, they do their logo first and then they pick their tagline and their colors, their palette long before they even think about incorporating. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it, again, I think that depends if they have a history of a family business. Like sometimes there's entrepreneurial oh. spirit in the family. So there's a little bit more like know-how or, or whatever gotcha. on what to do. And there are people who are concerned about taxes and how the income is going to come in and things like that first. But yes, logo and all that is a lot more fun. And I guess from my perspective, I think people also have to it merges estate planning with business planning. You also have to think if you're going to have a successful business and you have people depending on you for income, what's going to happen when, you know, you can't do whatever it is that you're doing to provide income to those who are depending on you. So I think that's something. And so what I've been doing is more of a business power of attorney and making sure that these people consider having like a right-hand person who could take over in case of emergency, not just keeping all these passwords and all this information and all this authority in your head. Give up a little bit of control so that your business, your baby can be successful through interruption. What is a business power of attorney? Wow. I'm so glad you asked. I didn't even email you this. This is great. (laughs) No business, but just similar to a personal power of attorney. I don't know about you, but I craft mine based on what the people need in their daily life. I don't just use a form document. So if they have Amazon packages or FedEx packages or things like that, I don't just say you can pick up us. I expand it to like their actual life. And I don't say you can manage my mineral and oil rights if they don't have mineral and oil rights and they don't plan to get it in the future. So I make it very same thing for a business. So if you have business operations and they have payroll or they have a lease agreement or they have contracts with customers or they have a signatory at a particular bank or they have an employee benefits plan, we just go through all the different, the deep dive into all the business operations and make sure that those decision-making is allowed, first of all. And second of all, sometimes they're a committee for a particular decision. So if there's three people, there's a tiebreaker as to what the decision could be. I like, sometimes clients can be stubborn. One of my favorite questions, a line of questions for business people is, so I look at the spouse and I go, so you're going to run the business? (laughs) Excellent question. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no. I go, well, the way that we got it set up now, you're going to inherit the share. <laughs> and yeah. oh, by the way, are the minority shareholders okay with you running the business? <laughs> and they're like, well, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Well, also the response I get a lot of time is, you know, but I have key man insurance, so we should be okay. Which, you know, fast forward, I think we should make the key person insurance, but whatever. We have yeah. key man insurance. And so everything's, the finances are going to work out. But your point is exactly right. Like who, and if you do want your spouse to run the business, whether it's husband or wife or whatever, maybe you want to take your spouse to work day. So they have an idea what's going on, right? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and the widows I encounter, the last thing they want to do is go down and run the construction company, right? Mm-hmm. So, and 
buy sell agreements like how many llc operating agreements have you ever seen it was like a legit workable buy sell agreement mm-hmm. <laughs> right and not to be too much of a plug but we do have our corporate department here and do the buy sell agreements and all of that and it, for my business contingency planning i actually encourage before people even think about exiting their company or think about selling their company to come up with their ideal buy-sell agreement, come up with a draft and what your goals are. Because if you don't know what your goals are, same thing with estate planning, you can't actually go out there and reach for it if you don't have a draft. You shouldn't be on the defense waiting for someone to present a buy-sell agreement with you to you for whatever it is. I think it helps increase clarity all the way around if you have that draft. That's the advantage you have over me. I'm looking at your website right here. So you're in, how many offices do you have? Just one office. Okay. But you've got quite a few lawyers, business law, employment law, family, government contracts, litigation, estate planning. Like I'm basically a one trick pony compared to you guys. Yeah, but if you ever get to a situation where you have an issue that you want to do a deep dive on, you want to serve your client on this issue, that's one advantage that we have because as in the way you and I practice is that we're open to collaborating and we realize that the client is served when they have the best advice. So if we have to co-counsel on a particular issue, then you're open to that. Or you have to learn more about it, then you're going to learn more about it. I guess I do love the firm, and especially the attorneys here, is that they're, everybody is an expert in their field, and I feel so comfortable just relying on them in their practice area. So that's the cool. And also, they're not just, they're not boring. They're actually so interesting. We can, like, debate issues back and forth, and everybody has an open mind. So I'm really happy about that. If they're half as engaging and half as experienced as you are, it's a great law firm. Oh, well, thank you. Well, maybe you'll be able to meet some of these other people. Yeah, I should come by sometime. I'm a lot closer than I used to be when I was in Seattle. Can I conclude with one one more fun fact? Mm -hmm. How did Virginia, what's the origins of Virginia's name? Mm. I hate to even say this. I haven't, tell me. Was it? She was called the Virgin Queen. And so Virginia oh, you know is what? a... I didn't know that. Now that yeah. it's coming, yeah. Yeah, it's not the Queen Elizabeth. Right. No, I, I don't know if I knew that. Hmm. Well, there you go. Another fun fact. Okay. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boom X Show Laws of Money podcast, where asset protection attorney Daryl Tuttle breaks down the complicated rules of estate, retirement, and even long-term care planning. You can listen to past episodes of the Boom X Show by going to boomxshow.com or subscribing right from your smartphone's podcast player. To take a deeper dive, join as a free member in the BoomX Academy and you'll be automatically enrolled in the show's companion courses where you can find enhanced content and many of the show's important episodes. Enroll now by visiting BoomXAcademy.com. That's BoomXAcademy.com.